0: Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah! Today, I'm in beautiful Monterey, California. Gosh, that's a place I've been to so many times for Car Week. A lot of car people down there. Today, I'm speaking with a very special guest by the name of Roman Barnes. Roman, welcome to Cars Yeah! Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Hi, Mark. I am ready to go. I know. We're going to have some fun today. Now, before I give you a proper introduction, what's one little thing that most people may not know about you, Roman? Oh, uh,
1: let's see. I guess maybe I'm a lifelong uh, skateboarder. I used to be a competitive skateboarder in my teen years. Really? But I, I still do it now. And I'm I'm also a lifelong um, skateboard collector, which I'm a little better at collecting now than I am <laughs> the actual act of skateboarding. But uh, I've been doing both of those things for, well, about 40 years now. No so.
0: kidding. You know, you and I yeah. have a lot in common then because I grew up in Southern California. I skateboarded from the time that they were roller derbies with the metal wheels. I I, I have a roller derby. I've yeah. got my original one. At one point, I crashed so bad and it smashed my face. My mom said she threw it away, but I found it in her closet when I think I was snooping for uh, Christmas presents or something. Uh, don't tell great. my mom that. But uh, yeah, I still have a few. You know, I have a, an old must, uh, the roller derby Mustang. Mm-hmm. You know, model. We've got a cool board that BMW created. Have You ever seen that BMW skateboard they made? Uh, no, I don't think so. Oh, I'll send you pictures. It's crazy. It's got the most intricate trunk or uh, truck design, the way the okay. wheels actuate separately from each other. It's absolutely crazy, wow. but I've kind of learned at this point in time, maybe I should stay off of skateboards. Um, yeah. You know, you fall down these days, you know, I won't say I'm older, but I say I am a little more mature. Uh, it hurts a lot more.
1: Believe me, I know the feeling. I used to go and skate all day, every day, and you fall down and dust yourself off and keep going. And and now when I go to the skate park and I take a spill I dust myself off and I go home for about a month and (laughs) And uh, heal up (laughs) and and then maybe go try it again. So I, uh, I know what you're talking
0: about. You know, they opened the first skate park in San Diego when I was in, I think I was in high, no, college maybe. My neighbor across the street, young guy, he and his buddies opened a skate park down uh, under the freeway, Highway 8 in Mission Valley. It was one of the first skate parks to ever emerge. And we used to go down there and I thought, man, this is like the coolest thing ever. It's long gone, uh, but uh, they have some skate parks around here that the city puts together and manages so uh the kids have a lot more fun these days than me trying to go down the street and hitting a crack in the curb and going down on my chin
1: yeah yeah it's uh i came from the dark ages of the 80s where there were no skate parks left they had all closed due to insurance reasons mostly and so we had to uh we had to make our own fun we built a lot of ramps and did a lot of street skating and um now, you know, here, go, here goes my old man moment of kids these days, you know, they have all these great <laughs> skate parks yeah. and they're so lucky, but um, I get to benefit from that too. And I go out on the weekends and, you know, do the little bit that I can still do, but it's still just as fun as it was,
0: you know, back then. You brought back a crazy memory. I went to La Jolla High School and the canyon across the road of Drive, there was this great, it was kind of hidden away. And we figured out if we could get in there, it was an underground water, like a, I won't say sewer system, it was for water flow. And, sure. And it went downhill from cause La Jolla High and Muirlands Junior High was up on a hill all the way down to Winded Sea Beach. And there was one spot where you had to stop. You we would get on those flexi flyers on our bellies right. and put yeah, flashlights yeah. on the front of them. And there was one place where you had to stop because if you didn't, you went into this and my wife's a civil engineer, she could tell me the name of it. It's a big square thing where a bunch of them converge and okay. it, it's a silt collector. So silt goes to the bottom, but water can still flow through. And we marked it with neon paint so that as we were coming up, we knew when to stop. Because if you didn't stop... You could hurt yourself, but you would come flying down that thing and then you'd end up right going into the sand on the beach at Wind and Sea Beach. And people would be sitting under their blankets and they'd hear these noises coming out of the this big sewer drain <laughs> your <laughs> water drain. <laughs> and we just come flying out into the sand spit
1: and, a bunch of kids out. Yeah, yeah
0: that's Oh yeah. And, and then I think somebody some some mother probably said you guys are gonna die and reported it and they, they put a big metal grate over the top. We couldn't get in there anymore. So Oh, uh, that's too bad. Yeah, but uh you brought back some my youth. Nice memories. Thank you, Roman. That was fun. Yeah, you bet. Let me give you a proper introduction. We're going to talk cars today versus skateboards, but there's some correlation there. Roman (laughs) Barnes is the owner of Empire Vintage Autos in Monterey, California, a business centered around the detailing, cosmetic preservation, and restoration of beautiful collector cars. He is also a consultant, provides collection management and consignment sales of all types of specialty automobiles. Roman has over 30 years in the automotive reconditioning world, and we heard the skateboard world too, and he has worked on nearly every type of collector car from the Model T to Bugattis and everything in between. Over the decades, his projects have ranged from rescuing dusty, long-forgotten garage finds to preparing some of the world's rarest cars for the Pebble Beach Concours d'Elegance. When not in the shop, you can find him tinkering on his own cars, putting on various events for the automotive community around the Monterey Peninsula, and his groups, Del Monte Auto Club and Peninsula Cars and Coffee. We'll be back in just a minute, but let's a thanks to our sponsors. They're the ones that make this show possible. So give them a little love. Better yet, give them a little business and we'll be right back. Covercraft's newest three-layer all-climate cover is especially engineered for moderate weather conditions, and it's treated with an extra UV-resistant formula. It's soft, it's breathable, and it's easy to store, all while pampering your paint, providing maximum UV rain and dust protection. If you live where it's windy, no worries. Simply add their gust guards for windy conditions to add extra protection to keep your cover in place. Your three-layer all-climate cover is custom-tailored with Covercraft's attention-to-detail, form, and fit with the quality and attention-to-detail that's been their tradition since 1965. Covercraft protects cars, trucks, motorcycles, RVs, trailers, and watercraft, too. Every one of my vehicles is protected with a Covercraft cover. And I have a deal for you. Use the code yeah 21 Y-E-A-H-2-1 at Covercraft.com, and you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order plus free shipping. That's right. So get 10% off with free shipping by simply using the code YAH21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. When it was time to renew my collector car policy, my carrier raised my rates by a lot. But why? My usage was the same, my car's value was the same, and I had never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. The only change was their rate, and they had no reason why. What's with that? I researched my options, I spoke to others, and with American Collectors Insurance is where I now have my policy. What a difference. A live person actually answers the phone. She spent time learning about me and my Porsche Turbo, the one I call my orange crush, and provided a reasonable quote. American Collectors Insurance now protects my special ride. I'm saving hundreds of dollars and I can sleep at night knowing my baby is properly insured. Why wait until your next premium is due? Give them a call today for your personal agreed value quote. Call 866 ac one Yeah, that's 866 224 9324. Tell him you're a friend of mine, Mark Green at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance, classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors, automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. So Roman, we're back. So let's talk about how you got into the industry here of cars, Empire Vintage Autos. Sounds like you're doing a lot of different things there, but you mostly you get to play with some very cool cars.
1: I do, I do. I wear a lot of hats, but I do get to touch a lot of nice cars. There's a a lot of collectors and collections in this area, the Monterey Peninsula. Just motoring and motorsports around here—it's so incredible. You know what uh, lies in these uh, garages and airplane hangars and and whatnot. A lot of neat stuff in this area. So I'm I'm fortunate to be able to see and and touch and work on some of them.
0: So let's talk about how you got into your business. What started this whole thing? And then where did you get to that point? You went, you know what, this could be a career for me.
1: Uh, You know, that's a good question. I don't know. It was just sort of a natural progression. It wasn't anything that was planned out for sure. I can tell you that it was sort of, I I landed a job with a local collector in about, uh, I guess it was 1990 and kind of went from there. You know, I got to work on his cars and detail them and uh, keep them maintained. And, uh, you know, it just kind of went from there. I, at one point, I, I sort of branched off on my own and didn't want to work for people directly. I decided, you know, I'll have my own business and people can contract me to do what needs to be done. So, um, yeah, I, I I don't know how to say it. It just kind of happened, I guess. You know, my love of cars just kind of showed showed me the way.
0: Well, you do a variety of things for your clients. Uh, You know, a lot of people that are detailers, and I had a detailing business for so many years and worked in the industry for a long time when I was at Griot's Garage developing a full line of car care products. So I got very intimate with car care and caring for vehicles. To this day, I still love keeping my cars clean. A little harder up here in the Northwest where it rains a lot. That's for sure. It's a bit of a challenge, but could you walk through all the different services you provide? Well, I would say the bulk of
1: it is detailing. I spend a lot of time in my shop and do a lot of larger, long-term detail projects. Uh, it's not to say that every project is that, but a lot of them are. A lot of them are trim off, bumpers off, you know, wow. complete rehabs. So I, I really like doing preservation cars and original paint cars, which. Is a uh, a delicate dance sometimes, but I really like that challenge, and it's I think it's the most rewarding kind of car to do. So a lot of a lot of projects like that where a car I'll spend a couple weeks in my shop, sometimes a month. Wow. Um, some shorter term stuff too, where it's just in and out in a week. Uh, you know, maybe a ceramic coating on a a client's uh, new car or something like that too. I mean, I kind of run the full gamut. But then on top of that, I have a couple collections that I look after, and so that encompasses, you know, a little more than detailing, making sure the cars are exercised and and ready to go. So when you know the owner of said vehicles uh, comes into town, everything's gassed up and clean and ready for them to go out and take a drive. So that's a big part of it. And I work with some other collection managers in the area too, and sort of just you know, do the detailing part uh, of uh, working on their collections. That's the the main part of it. I do do some uh, consignment, um, so a lot of cars on Bring a Trailer. Um, My most recent one being a uh, original owner, 1965 356C. Oh, that I sold for an 87 year old woman who bought it locally. Oh my God! And has has owned it and driven it around the Monterey Peninsula all these years. Um, wow! And that was a really rewarding. I mean, you know, I, I get to sell a lot of neat cars, but an original owner, fairly untouched. I mean, it was pretty well preserved. Three fifty six. There just can't be a lot of original owner three fifty sixes left out there.
0: So No, that's a unicorn.
1: Yeah, and she was such a, a neat lady. She really, you know, the car was her baby and, and um she took really good care of it and and drove it like it was a race car also, e- even up until the day she delivered it to my shop. Came ripping in the parking lot. So it was a neat story. Yeah, you know, sell a lot of cars on bring a trailer and some of the other platforms that are out there and uh you know, that's basically it. I, I do a little consulting and helping people find cars um, that they're looking for. They know that I'm just kind of tapped in with uh, different folks and that I can help them maybe find what they need. So, you know, between wearing all of those hats, I keep very busy and I have a a big uh, waiting list of cars to come in the shop. And I, I feel very grateful about that. It's nice to have, you know, work lined up and, and know that people want to come in and And have me work on their stuff so
0: you know congratulations finding this niche in that area because you're in the right area you're in the prime sure well since you do consignments and you work with people buyers and sellers i'd love to chat with you a little bit about that now you and i had a great talk on the phone the other day about this uh about what's going on in the collector car market right now and it's a little bit crazy out there Uh, i was toning in specifically on bmw porsche because that's what i drive can you talk a little bit about what you're seeing in the marketplace right now and why you think some of this crazy buying frenzy is going on because some of the cars that are selling i can see unicorns like that porsche you talked about i shared with you the porsche i have which is a pretty extremely rare car yeah uh, and and even my e46 m3 those have gone through the dip of, of loss of, of value and then depreciation and all of a sudden now they're flying up in your perspective since you're spying and selling cars what is going on
1: Boy, I I don't know, but I'm sure loving this wave of of what is going on. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, money seems to be uh, exchanging hands at all levels. And people are maybe in these times, uh, you know, these uncertain times of pandemic and, and weirdness in the world. People are just wanting to spend their money on something fun and have an escape. And, you know, having a specialty car or an old car that you can jump in and go out for a drive. That's a good escape for people. It is for me. And, um, like I said, you know, there just seems to be money changing hands at all levels. I mean, I don't know. A lot of cars I sell seem to go to maybe younger tech money guys that are getting interested in cars and maybe buying their first, uh, Porsche or, you know, whatever it is, but things are, things are moving and they're moving at a high level and, uh, good for all of us that have a car to sell or, or selling cars for people because it's certainly, keeping us busy and the numbers, you know, that are coming in are some really record numbers on a lot of cars. So
0: yeah, it's wild. Is there a driving inspiration in your life, a person that was a key mentor or a big influence on you that perhaps helped you with your career, helped form your career? You know,
1: I don't know about anybody that directly helped form my career. You know, uh, so many people have helped me. It's really hard to single out anybody i mean because nobody gets to where they are on their own you know i've had a lot of lucky breaks and people willing to take a chance on me and and a lot of good friends that are sort of in this industry and you know the same or different branches of the collector car world but if i had to pick somebody i would pick my very first boss his name was bentley brooks and he owned a bicycle and skateboard shop and uh, i worked for him through middle school and high school. It was my first job and I had it for, I worked for him for about five years. You know, he knew that I was a a skateboard kid and he thought, okay, well, we could use a little help in that department. And, um, I think I started working for him when I was about 13. And by the time I was 14, he let me just run that whole section of the store. I got to do all the merchandising, all the selling, the building of boards all the ordering, you know, he'd give me a limit, you know, okay, well, if you have an order over uh, $800, clear it with me first, that kind of thing. But he just let me go. And he just knew, I guess, over a period of time, I proved myself and he knew that he could trust me. And for me, it was fun. I was just, I mean, that was my passion. And of course, I got to earn a little money and Sell boards to all my friends. I was like the candy man at school. You know, people would say, "Did you get the new such and such board?" I'll come in after school, and you know, it was just a great job because I was doing what I love. But what I didn't realize is the business and life experience that it was giving me along the way. And it was just a great it was just a great experience. And the fact that you know he trusted a fourteen year old kid yeah. <laughs> with a a big portion of of you know his store and just said hey go for it and you know i did him did him right and made money for the store and had a good time myself i mean Listen, Mark, I really love what I do now, and I'm so lucky, but I kind of think that the best job I'll ever have was that job.
0: <laughs> you know, it's really nice when a person like that takes a young person in that shows initiative and hard work and does all the things you're supposed to do in business, like show up to work on time and be enthusiastic yeah. and, and passionate. I mean, you're very fortunate. Bentley Brooks, that was his name you said?
1: Bentley Brooks, Capital Bicycles. What, yeah. an,
0: what a name. Wow. And I don't know
1: where he is today, but I maybe I need to look him up and, and I, thank shake him. his hand. Yeah.
0: Th- those are really important formulations of character and knowledge that you're right at the time. It's like when I was young, I had a paper route and I had no idea that the things that that route required me to do would prepare me for some of my other businesses later, my car detailing business and so forth. Having to collect money every month, having to interface, having to be responsible because those folks, if their paper was not on their doorstep by five, they were standing out there waiting for you, you know, right, uh, right. all those things that those jobs teach young people. Let's take a short break and thank our sponsor as we come back. uh, We'll talk a little bit about a challenge and maybe some advice you might offer people who want to get into a business like you're doing. So sit tight. We'll be right back. You listeners know I've been into car care my entire life. I am so excited to team up with AutoGeek in 2022. AutoGeek.net has been a leading source of auto detailing products, accessories, and expert knowledge for more than 20 years. What started in 1997 as a mail order catalog company has grown into a multi-website based e-commerce store that they are today. With a large online presence on its own website featuring close to 100 different brands, AutoGeek has grown to be the largest car care retailer In the country. Autogeek's wholesale program serves accounts in over 30 countries and its retail sector ships worldwide. Go to Autogeek.net for the best product selection on the internet today and their stellar technical support. Autogeek.net. It's where I go for all my detailing needs. That's Autogeek.net. Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. And be sure to use the code cars, yeah when you subscribe and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. So we're back. So if somebody was... I I would bet there's people listening right now that go, man, I want to do what Roman does. This sounds really cool. Obviously, there's a lot of work to it. But how would you advise a young person or even somebody who wants to change their careers midstream, get into the field that you're in?
1: Well, I would say, you know, get involved in the car community is the first thing. Go to events and talk to owners. People are almost always approachable. Doesn't matter if they're driving a Toyota Corolla or a a Ferrari 250 or something, you know. Most people are approachable and they want to talk about their cars. I just think having conversations with people and kind of maybe letting them know what you'd like, it seems like inevitably a break will come or something, a door will open that will uh, let you get your foot in and get started. And I think. From there, it's just a matter of it's hard work and, and doing a good job and knowing that people can trust you and then it sort of just flows from there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like construction. I always say, if you're good at construction, you'll always have work because so many people in that field are not very diligent, let's just say. Sure. And so, and it's the same. And I would assume that time in that bicycle and skateboard shop taught you incredible communication skills, not only with your boss, but with the sellers when you were ordering things and with the clients so that you could sell. And like you said, you probably didn't even know you were learning those skills as you were doing them, but those are invaluable skills in the business you have.
1: Yeah. I have a funny story going back to the skateboard shop that I'll share a little bit of a non sequitur, but one day uh, a mother came in and was buying a board for her son's birthday and I did the typical things. Well, you want the guards for the nose and tail, right? You know, to protect it. (laughs) The upsells. All the upsell, all the guards. Hey, you know, you want to protect the board, you know, put the copers on the trucks and all the things that, you know, well, it'll protect this investment for little Johnny. And she, okay, well, boy, it's getting expensive. Well, yeah, I guess I should protect it. And then when that was all done, I said, now, what about pads? Do you want to get pads and a helmet? And she said, oh boy, I you know, I've really spent a lot today. I, I don't know, you know, I mean, how much is it? You know, how much for the full set of pads? I said, well, a helmet is this and, you know, knee pads are that and elbow pads are that much. And she said, oh boy, I might have to wait till next time. I, I don't know. And I said, well, yeah, it's kind of expensive, but it's cheaper than an x-ray.
0: <laughs> I was I was waiting for that.
1: <laughs> and then I just left it. Pregnant pause, right? And she said, oh, okay, yeah, I'll take them. And so I sold her the whole set, built the board for sold her the whole set of pads, and when that lady walked out the door, good old Bentley Brooks turned to me and said, that was brilliant, you're getting a raise today.
0: Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) So
1: uh, I don't know why that story just popped into my head, but.
0: Good job, Roman, good job. Hey, let's talk about a challenge you faced, either in life or in business, but the more important part of this story needs to be the lesson learned, so you could come out of it in a positive way. So take us on maybe a little bumpy ride. You know, Mark, I was
1: thinking about this question, and I feel so lucky that I don't I can't really pick out a big challenge. I was thinking about a job that I took on a couple of years ago. That was a very daunting task. And at the time, potentially above my pay grade, but I had a client that really trusted me. We had a 300 SL Gullwing that needed a, a cosmetic refresh. And so I took on taking that car apart myself and, you know, I sent it out to get painted and sent out all the plating and, you know, that's, A project like that is definitely on the heavier side of what I do. I don't do too many that are quite like that. And, you know, a car with some relative value, so a little bit scary and daunting to say the least. And there were a couple points in that project where I thought, oh boy, am I the right guy for this job? This is a really, it's not a terribly complicated car, but one wrong move and uh, it's curtains. You know, it could cost you a lot of money to... To repair it, especially after the car comes back to me all freshly painted, you know, perfectly done, and you're hanging all the bright work and trim and, and
0: one everything, little tap on that paint
1: and one little thing, and it's over. So, um, you know, that was a big a big challenge, and uh, I pulled it off, and the car came out great. I wasn't sure a few points during that process if if that's how it was going to go, but it was just a roll up your sleeves and dig in and and really have faith in yourself because the work is in front of you and it has to be done. It came out great.
0: What was the the lesson learned when you looked back and went whoo?
1: Um take a deep breath and a step back when you're about to jump into a task that could have some serious consequences if not done properly <laughs> and think about it. You know, I really tried to get into the head of the the people that built those cars and try to understand why they did things the way they did. And, and also frankly, how things could be improved upon when going back together or dealing with reproduction parts that don't really fit and okay, well, how am I going to make this look the way it should? And it was, you know, it was a, that was a big project for me. That's not something I do every day, but it it was, uh, I would say the moral of the story was, was take a step back and, and take a breath and look at it a few times before you pick up the tool and go, okay, we're going to go for it. I did that a lot. I did a lot of eating a, a sandwich and standing back and staring at the <laughs> car and going, okay, how am I going to fit this piece of trim? I've only got one shot with these clips. And, and so I did a lot of that, just kind of meditating on it and staring at it. And um, <laughs> then when I was ready to pick up that piece of trim, I had thought about it so much. It was go time and uh, it worked out. Car came out, really good.
0: Well, I guess I did the right thing. My son worked one summer in the shop and the first project they put him on was the Daytona Ferrari. And he said, okay, take the light buckets out and the bumpers on. And and he came home that night and he said, dad, they're having me work on a Daytona. I've never done any of this stuff. I'm afraid I'm going to wreck something. And I said the same thing. I said, well, first thing is stop and analyze, think about it. And if you have a question, ask a question, you know,
1: exactly. Fine. Exactly.
0: Find, and in this case, the guy, his supervisor said, we well, just do it. You'll figure it out. I was like, yeah, <laughs> okay.
1: I but- was, uh, I was lucky to have some, I did have some experts on speed dial. Nice. And so when I got stuck, you know, like I said, you know, nobody does this alone. I was lucky to get connected with some experts and, uh, and, uh, you know, they'd say, well, you know, you got to take this side off first and, you know, do this bolt first or whatever. And, uh, so, you know, when I got stuck, I, I had help or just, yeah, thought about it and analyzed it, and
0: um, yeah, it came out great. Yeah, it sounds great. What a great uh, experience for you, and uh, an experience that gave you a lot of confidence moving forward. That okay, if I tackle that, then I can tackle the next one, and the next one, and the next one. Absolutely, you keep learning yeah. as you go along. You know, when we were chatting before we got on the show here, you shared a special vehicle story with me, and it was it's a Gia. I told you about the Gia I had in high school. Can you talk a little bit more about that car because it's a very unique vehicle
1: it is it is it's a 1973 volkswagen carmen Ghia tc touring coupe made for the brazilian market not meant for export they were made from uh 71 to 75 if i have that correct also designed by uh, Giorgetto giugiaro uh, i believe as his last project uh, for studio guia uh, before he started ital design it's got a lot of italian influence if you stand back and blur your eyes, it looks a bit like a Fiat Dino Coupe. It looks a bit like a BMW 3200, which I believe Giugiaro was involved with. But at the same time, he was also trying to make a sort of a Brazilian Porsche. So he did take cues from early, you know, 911, 912. You can see that especially in the rear quarter windows. It's an interesting car. And it's also a kind of a, a VW parts bin car where it uses like Earlier '60s Beetle door handles, and it was one of those things where I don't think that Volkswagen in Germany really cared that much about what VW of Brazil was doing, and it was kind of like, yeah, yeah, here's our extra parts, and uh, do, you know, do you whatever you want.
0: It had to raise some eyebrows
1: when they first saw it, though. Yeah, I, I just don't, I don't know what they thought about it or how important it was to them because it was just a whole separate market, and they weren't going to be exported. And but it's an interesting car. I found it just scrolling on the internet. I found out that they existed just scrolling on the internet about a year ago. And I thought, well, that it kind of checks a lot of boxes. It's a pretty car. I I like Volkswagens and Porsches, and I've had a handful, but it's rare. And that was the thing that appealed to me. I like a lot of rare cars, but they're not really uh, within my uh, budget. So I thought, well, this is a neat car. And, and it it checks all the boxes. So I went looking for one, and uh, found one a couple months later. And within about six months, had one sitting in my shop. And uh, it's been an interesting interesting journey. It's a it's a fun car.
0: It's very unique looking car. I'm not sure I've ever seen one in person. Actually, uh, looking at pictures of the car, you see all these different elements from the Guia, but then like what's going on in the back and then right wait a minute and then what's the motor in that is like the flat motor that came out of say the the van or something like that it's a
1: type 3 1600 dual port yeah okay
0: yeah so yeah okay so it kind of sits down behind it's got those those vents across the back it it, to me the car when you look at it it almost looks like a bits of car and you you described it well kind of it is It is. it really is
1: one of my favorite things about it is when it sits in the shop and friends or clients or whoever stop by and they look at it and they go, Did you wow, make Wow, what is that? <laughs> yeah. And then I tell them, and then the next thing they say is their interpretation of what other cars it looks like.
0: Right. Oh, yeah.
1: And it's really neat because everybody's got a different take on it. Oh, I see Porsche here. I see various Italian cars or other cars that Giugiaro designed. And, and it's really neat because everybody's got a different take on what it looks like. Nobody says, oh, here it is, it's a car, it's its own thing. They go, well, it looks like this car. And another fun thing is I, I've got a lot of friends in the Volkswagen world, folks that are way more knowledgeable than me and have been doing it you know, their whole lives. Uh, some of them have been in the Volkswagens for 50 years and uh, they'll come in the shop when I first got it and and they go, what is that?
0: Yeah, exactly. And
1: I tell them and they go, I've never heard of that. I've never, I've never seen one. I've right. never heard of that. And I've been into Volkswagens for 50 years. And so it's kind of a funny thing, just that it's such a, a UFO to most people. Yeah. When I take it out, it, it gets... Unicorn. Yeah. It, I, there's a lot of, lot of questions. And, and I like that about it. It's it's really unique.
0: So. Yeah. Great cars and coffee car. It, it is. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is that? You know, everybody, How come you're not looking at my Ferrari over here? Well, because I've never seen one of those. I've seen a yeah. few Ferraris. I'm going to be your automotive psychologist here a little bit and crawl into your skull Roman if you were manifest as a vehicle what would you be but more importantly why
1: I had to think about this question a lot <laughs> good and if I have to pick one car and I have one of these cars so that must say something but a Mercedes uh, W123 diesel wagon Ooh. 300 TD and it's a hard-working car they're utilitarian you can rely on them but you know they can they can uh, clean up pretty nice and be pretty classy and not to mention that pretty recently here Gaining in value and uh, pretty hip with the in crowd. So, do you know uh, JG Francis? I know of his work and his cars, and and we have some uh, mutual friends. I, I don't know him personally, but I certainly know of Mercedes Motoring and uh, the work that he does. Yeah,
0: yeah, I've been to his shop. He's been a guest on the show, and uh, yeah, he's got some amazing cars. And got a local friend here who's got a bunch of his cars, mostly wagons, because my buddy is really into wagons. Those cars, you know, they were they were workhorses back in the day, but they were kind of cool. A lot of moms drove those things yeah I, but i didn't realize at the time how special they were because most were diesels they were kind of slow and smoky and i was like what's with your mom's car why is it so loud but now you get in those things and they're just beautiful i mean it's a craftsmanship they're built like tanks and you said you have one right
1: i have one it's my uh it's my shop car shop car nice. and uh I just love it. You know, I'll make a, a confession here. When I worked for that first collector back in 1990, he had one. That was my shop car, my runaround car back then. And I hated it. <laughs> you know, I kind of liked how it looked, but the driving experience, yeah you know, of course I was a, you know, relatively young kid driving around in Ferraris and Jags. Sure. And, and, and Boring so
0: and slow. Uh,
1: the Mercedes was just slow and it stunk and I just didn't like it. Well, You grow and evolve and change, and I I have a lot of friends in that Mercedes world. And I got to sort of looking at them again a number of years ago, and I thought, you know, I always did like the way they look, and I I got to drive a few friends' cars, and uh, finally pulled the trigger on one. I've actually had several now, but the one I bought uh, a few years ago is the one that I still have, and uh, it's just a great car. Like I said, built like a tank. You can fix anything. You know, they're they're very serviceable boy, you can still go to pick and pull and find parts even. And, you know, you have to be a little bit in the zone when you get in and drive one, you know, I mean, mine keeps up with modern traffic just fine, but it's not fast off the line. And it's, right. it's like a little bit like driving a Barca lounger. Um, <laughs> but I just love it. The longer I have it, the more I, I love it. They're just fantastic cars. And I now know why they've caught on and why they're fetching good money on Bring a Trailer and, and other places. And uh, it's funny, you see a lot of younger guys. I, I know a lot of guys in their 20s that are getting into that era, you know, young-timer Mercedes cars. Um, they're getting to be very popular and and starting to fetch some money.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So, Is there a great book you've read you'd like to share? You know – Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance.
0: I almost mentioned that book earlier when you talked about getting into the Zen with the car. So, yeah. Oh,
1: oh. You know, I was on a kind of a car guy trip a number of years ago with my friend Brent Waldman, who I think was a a guest on Cars. Yeah. Yep. And um, Brent and I actually met on that trip. And he's a sharp guy. And I think he could see that my mind never stops. And even though we were supposed to be having fun and tinkering on our friend's collection and just hanging out for an yeah. extended weekend. I was always kind of worried about work and talking about work. And he kind of pulled me aside and said, you know, do you like to read? And I said, yeah, I do. And he said, you know, you should read this book. It really kind of is about enjoying the journey. And I think you could benefit from reading this. And and so I took his advice and a few months later, I picked it up and read it. And um, he was absolutely right. I mean, it my Brain is still going a 1000 miles an hour. And I still work in my brain while I'm sleeping. But that book has taught me to enjoy the ride and try to step back every once in a while and savor the moments, you know, I'm always going to be a million miles an hour, but I'm, I'm getting old enough and wise enough and to stop and and take it in and kind of go, wow. That's what that book did for me, so tip of the hat to Brent for recognizing that in me within only a day or two of of meeting me, so
0: he's a great guy. My son suggested that book for me probably for the same reasons, and it is a great book, and it was nothing like what I thought it was going to be. In fact, I had to reread the first two chapters. I'm like, what's going on here? This isn't like... I think I did that, too. Yeah, like, what's going on? Yeah, it takes you to different places. It's a great book, been recommended by many people. Uh, You listeners out there, it'd be a great way to start the new year, 2022, uh, with that book if you've not read it. So I'm going to let you go on The Ultimate Drive before I let you go today here, Roman. I've got an open checkbook for you. I'm going to buy you any car. You can go on a ride with anybody, living or deceased, and you can be anywhere in this special vehicle with this special person. What does The Ultimate Ride today look like for you?
1: There's so many cars and <laughs> I know. so many people.
0: I'll just pick one for this week.
1: You know, I would say the car would be a, a Tatra T77. Ooh. And I'd be with Tatra's chief designer at the time, Hans Ledwinka. And, uh, you know, I don't know where we would drive necessarily. I hadn't thought that part out, but I would let him drive. Okay. Uh, since those are notoriously ill-handling cars as, uh, well— as the, uh, unfortunately as the Lane Motor Museum found out recently, oh, um, about that. with their T87 that, that got, uh, tipped over.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, so I think I'd let Ledwinka drive and, and, uh, you know, I'd love to ask him about sort of being a designer in the golden age of the automobile. I mean, he was really active, you know, between world wars one and two and came up with so many innovations, you know, the rear, uh, flat mounted, uh, uh, air-cooled uh, engine and the uh, backbone uh, chassis. And uh, also, I'd love to ask him, what was it like to have Dr. Porsche steal your ideas, basically, and, and yeah. get all the credit to some degree?
0: Uh, wow. You know, that's an interesting car to pick. No one's ever picked that car. So you're very unique in that respect. And I look at that car, especially some versions of that car. It oh, was a T77A. The front looks like the Bugatti Tank. You know, that Bugatti built that very. Oh, okay. That they called the tank. I mean, it's got that nice rounded curve and then of course the, yeah. the fin on the back and I, I think the last time i saw one of those was on the lawn at pebble yeah you don't see too many of those cars around for
1: nice sure. gathering tatras at pebble five or six years ago that ken
0: gross put together yeah yeah nice job very cool very unique answer to that question well i want to thank you for spending some time with us today before i let you go though one little uh maybe inspirational thought to start the new year words of wisdom
1: well in the uh skateboarding world there's kind of one simple slogan that always stuck with me. It's very true in the act of riding a skateboard and it sort of transfers to the rest of life, which is fall down, get back up.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Get back on that horse. (laughs) In,
1: in, in, in skateboarding, you're going to fall down and you got to dust yourself off and get back up. And I think it's just sort of a good mantra for everything in business and relationships and in, in life. I've kind of tried to live that way because I started my early life as a skateboarder and you take a lot of spills, but you dust yourself off and, and get
0: back up. Absolutely. And take Roman's advice. If you're going to get on a skateboard, get a helmet and some pads.
1: That's right. <laughs> for sure. That's, that's good advice. Yeah,
0: for sure. Very wise advice. How do people learn more about Empire Vintage Autos?
1: Well, I am at uh, EmpireVintageAutos.com. That's my website. And I am at empire.vintage.autos on Instagram. And those are probably the two best places to find me. So
0: absolutely. I'll put links to those on Roman's show notes page here on the Cars yeah! website. Check him out. If you're up in the Monterey area, you can check him out there as well. Uh, and if you live up in that area, really, if you live anywhere, I'm, I'm sure some of the cars get shipped into you, right? Yeah, yeah, quite a bit. Yeah, there you go. So there's your source for caring for your vehicles. Roman, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your story with me. What a nice way to start the new year with Roman Barnes, Empire Vintage Autos. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you down the road. Thanks so much, Mark. It's been a blast. This was fun. Thank you. The most important lesson I've learned after interviewing nearly 2,000 people is that we are at our best when we help others. Cars is all about inspiring automotive enthusiasts and helping others to be successful. In 2022, my charities of choice are TechForce Foundation and RPM Foundation. Both are groups of like-minded nonprofits working together to preserve and promote car culture across the country. RPM was created to ensure that the specialized skills needed to care for classic automobiles, boats, and motorcycles continue to be passed down, from generation to generation. They do this by supporting training for young people with a passion for restoration and setting them up with mentors who can share their valuable knowledge. TechForce Foundation is dedicated to solving the technical shortage that threatens the transportation industry today by providing career development resources and increasing awareness and enthusiasm for the tech profession. Learn more about these groups at RPM Foundation and TechForce Foundation today.